0: This is a Liverpool Echo podcast on Anfield Plus The home of your daily podcasts Bringing you the inside track from Liverpool FC Hello and welcome to the review podcast I'm Paul Wheelock and I'm very pleased to be joined by Chris Bascom, The Merseyside football reporter for The Telegraph Chris, how are you?
1: Very well, thank you
0: Thanks very much for joining us Well, listeners may remember that uh, we met and recorded a podcast in Walton At the back end of last season Uh, The weather that day was was fantastic It's it's not quite the same today But uh, excuse the terrible but the, the outlook is looking as bright as ever for Liverpool at the moment <laughs> after the opening match of the season on Sunday against West Ham. You were there, Chris. Yeah. What was your verdict? What did you make of it?
1: Very encouraging. I felt uh, going into the season there was a lot of positivity around Liverpool and you're looking for a bit of an early statement and um, although obviously Jürgen Klopp for obvious reasons is trying to play down a lot of the grander expectations you couldn't help but be impressed by by the way, they went about the business. The, the golfing class between Liverpool and West Ham was, was pretty extreme. Uh, on those moments, Liverpool did just move through the gears. They just cut through West Ham with ease. And everything that has been sort of suggested going into the season, there's going to be a very strong Liverpool and they've got as, as good a chance of, of going close as they've had for a long time, stood up to scrutiny. And um, yeah, I, 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 it's very difficult to find anything negative about Liverpool as a club at the moment, I know there are a lot of people who want you to. A lot of people think that as a journalist, you should be looking for the negatives <laughs> and, uh, and you know being microscopic in your in your scrutiny. But you know, I've I've said this quite a few times now over the last two years, actually, that you know I've been covering Liverpool for a very long time, and I've never felt so encouraged or enthused covering the club. And I don't think it's a case of just sugarcoating stuff. I think. A lot of us who covered the club over the years have been critical when, when it's needed to be, been quite downbeat a lot when needed to be. And um, I think just applying the same uh, you know, an- analysis with this team, you just got to be encouraged and just say, enjoy it, because it's, it's, I think it's going to be a fantastic season. I don't know whether they're going to win the league or not, but I, I would make the prediction that they'll score 100 goals. <laughs> I don't think I'm being... Overly bold with that, and and I think that's a fantastic place for the club to be.
0: Yeah, I remember when we we spoke in May. I think it was after the Brighton game, the final game of last season, mm. before the Champions League final. And you said it, it it was the strongest position you felt the club's been in years. Mm. We all know what what happened in KF that mm. night. But what how you made what they've done since that night leading up to the West Ham game? You know how they've reacted to to that setback. Well, it's
1: it's you know that that was one game, wasn't it? That was the final. Anything can happen in the final. Everything that could have gone wrong that night went wrong. I was quite. Um, you know you, you, you're kind of like there's obviously a lot of disappointment when Liverpool lost what I found most extraordinary in the aftermath of that loss was how keen and and uh, yeah, you say this because it's come from outside Liverpool there's no question about it how keen people seem to be for you to almost be critical of Klopp because he would lost so many finals and you know at the end of the, you know, Liverpool didn't get a trophy they still haven't had a trophy for three years under Klopp surely this is a, a reason to, to be more critical of them and I just found it absolutely stupid and a bit pathetic, actually, that um, so many people felt felt this was a cause for for being more you, you know barbed in your assessment of the whole season when they got to the Champions League final against expectations and they're growing as a club. And even yesterday, if you have to look at the side, there's only three different three players who are any different. You know, the goalkeeper obviously an immense change, Keita, and. Joe Gomez, who was basically playing because Lovren's not returned fit from the World Cup, so if everyone had been fit and Jordan Henderson had played of the outfield players, you'd probably say only Keita would have been the di- different so, you know, it has been a, a long process to get to this point but I just find that, that maybe it shouldn't be surprised really because I think that the best thing that could happen to every other club would be for Jurgen Klopp not to be Liverpool manager and so I think it's probably just a, a bit of a kind of political way to to try and you know the people are going to look for ways to try and undermine what's going on at liverpool and to try and find some kind of flaws in there that aren't actually there but um, I think you know I said myself not so long ago that what I find so different about this summer going into this season as well everybody knows liverpool need to start winning trophies it most of the pressure is external in the sense that liverpool supporters whilst they you know they obviously want that and, and expect that and the, the liverpool board want and expect that it, there's no kind of sense of, oh well, well, if it doesn't happen, the manager's going to be under some kind of pressure. He's not. If Liverpool don't win the league this year, well, what will happen? What will happen is they'll dust them down and have another go next year and uh, under the same guy. Um, and this idea that Liverpool, if well, Klopp clock doesn't deliver a trophy, therefore he's failed or something, well, he's not even halfway through um, his reign if, if you believe that he's going to do the full term of his contract. So. I just think they're in a, a fantastic place and uh, Liverpool fans are enjoying what they're seeing and, you know, it hasn't been like this for a long time so that's why at the moment I continue to, to sound positive and upbeat mainly um, with everything is right about Liverpool.
0: You had no choice but to be anything other than that after the West Ham game. Who, no. who particularly stood out and what was a really good season? Everybody. Everybody
1: yeah. stood out, you know... Um, the goalkeeper obviously didn't have a lot to do the defenders didn't have a lot to do but defence you know is it, is it, you know, when he called the pan you know Gomez made a good tackle on Artovic. Um midfield I thought particularly important this year I think that was a, something that st- I mean, you look at the Champions League final what what were the problems well obviously the goalkeeper was an issue midfield was stretched to its limit you know you didn't really have many midfield options going into that game and obviously if, if Mo Salah or one of the front three gets a, a knock, what happens? Now, hopefully that's not going to happen much, um, and, and those tests are still to come, but I thought the midfield, figure out know, I thought Keita made a superb debut. James Milner's been brilliant, really. He's been pretty brilliant Little Liverpool sign, but I think he just seems to be getting better. He was excellent last year when he moved back into midfield, and same again yesterday. And uh, Ginny Wijnaldum had a good game as well, so I think all across, and then you, you just expect... The front three are going to get chances and are going to create opportunities every time you watch them, and well, at least one of them is going to score. Um, so yeah, I thought everyone was a minimum of seven, a few eights, maybe. On another day, one or two would have got a nine, but um, I think I was. It was a collection of seven and eights in my ratings. Yeah.
0: I don't think you can argue with that. You, you mentioned Keita there, and I know a, a kind of an angle you picked up on your your verdicts in Monday's paper. Uh, He's been drawn comparisons with Kante but y- hmm. you you say it's unfair, but not in a bad way. No, no, he's a different kind no. of player.
1: I just don't think he's there's any similarity in the way they they go about it. Well, he's number eight on his back, and he's number eight in the style he plays. And uh, I mean, he used the he, he sort of hesitate to say this, but he used the name Iniesta when he was doing his interview about well, you know he was his his idol was Iniesta, and obviously he's no Iniesta, yeah Who is? Um, but that's clearly the way he wants to play. He is playing in that kind of more of a link between midfield and attack. And um, although Klopp hated the phrase "Fab four when Casino <laughs> was here, you know you can see how it might evolve again because he he looks as though he can get into positions and get goals as well. And um, you know he's very creative, very dynamic, and he likes to put a tackle in as well, which is something Liverpool wanted. You know, someone who prepared to put his, uh, his foot in. And yeah, again, we we have to say the challenges yet to come. You know, it's going to. I think the season probably be defined in terms of the top four with the matches, the top six, I suppose, play against each other. You know, and City have already made a great start by winning away at Arsenal. And I think it'll be those games, I think, whatever you're talking, you're talking 15, would you be 15 points, would you? I don't know, um, five, five, I mean, Matt isn't the greatest, yeah. but uh, certainly the games you, you play against the rest of the top six are probably going to define where about in the top four you finish. Um, so we'll be interested to see how, Keita plays in those games um, where he's probably going to have to do a lot more defensive work a lot more work without the ball as well as with the ball so um, but yeah it was, it, I thought it was a fantastic start by him.
0: I'd say it's been fairly stress free summer but probably mm. the only drama was Nabil Fakir you know I'm sure you, oh, yeah. you didn't yeah. go a, a day without looking at your Twitter saying what's happening no, with Fakir yeah. but you know I know it's early days with with Keita but looking at him yesterday surely was there would be a need for care with the way that Keita plays
1: well, we'll never know what, what happened if they signed him, uh, uh, whether or not one or the other midfielders might have, you know, they would have been prepared to sacrifice. You know, it's all hypothetical. Uh, Fakir is, is obviously seen as more obvious number 10. Uh, I mean, the Fakir, you know, the whole process was described by some as a saga, and it wasn't a saga. A saga is something that goes on for a long time. The Fakir... Was agreed, he had his medical, and it just I suppose you just get um, a bit frustrated really when people who might like to be thought of as you know quite uh, clever and sometimes quite conspiratorial, they can't seem to put two and two together. I mean, there are let's just say legal reasons why you can't always go into details about uh, why something may have appeared to be happening and it didn't happen. But what we can say is that the deal was agreed, a medical was held and somewhere between the medical being held and the unveiling, there was no unveiling. Um, I didn't think, you know, as you say, Sherlock Holmes was going to be required for people (laughs) to put two and two to get four, but clearly some people still whatever reason, didn't want to believe it, it ended on, I think it was June 8th, and it was never revived, yeah. and yet every single day you're getting asked, or every journalist over the was being asked, what's going on, why is not anybody being?" <laughs> I don't really know what more you can say, other than, you know, what was said, but anyway, um, yeah, so we're quite glad when the transfer window uh, closed, but um, no, I, I, what would have happened had he signed, We'll we'll, we'll, ne- we'll never know, and and you know I, I think maybe it's an opportunity for players who who may have not been playing yesterday or on the bench yesterday, um, to take opportunity to, to 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 prove he wasn't needed anyway. Um, clearly, I think with Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain's injury, it does potentially leave Liverpool short of midfield options in the event of injuries or tiredness. But you know, can't like, can't really get into situation where you're worrying about what might happen down the line as it stands Liverpool got very strong um, midfield options and you know Adam Lovar didn't even get on the pitch yesterday so um, that shows you the state they're in
0: yeah one thing a lot of fans and I know fellow journalists picked up on on Sunday was, was the strength for the bench mm-hmm. people were claiming that it's the strongest bench Liverpool have had in years do you think mm-hmm. that was one of the not criticisms or one of the, the points after the Champions League final what what would maybe indifferent to have more depth on the bench? Do, do you think that could be key this season?
1: Absolutely, yeah. There's, there's no no doubt about that. There weren't so many options once Sahar this Salah sorry went down. Um, he, you know, Jurgen Klopp didn't have those options, and that was something that had to be addressed. I mean, there were circumstances because of that, obviously, if oxlade Chamberlain and the injury he had and stuff like that. But um, you know, Shaqiri obviously comes in and. I think everyone's been quite encouraged by his pre-season as well Uh again whether or not you know in a big game at Old Trafford, for example you would say it's uh, like for like swap Shakiri for Mane or Salah probably not but you never know I and mean, he's got the quality he's got the class and it's an option that I think um, Jürgen Klopp wanted and yeah was players who weren't even in the 18 yesterday and uh see even when you bear in mind Lovren, Matip, Kloban you know They've got to come back and certainly at least two of those, Laura and Matty, would not be expecting to be left out of an 18-man no. squad. Um, there's going to be some disappointed players a lot of weekends this season, but I think that's got to help. You know, it's full competition. It's got to help Liverpool and the Carling Cup as well. I mean, I don't think anybody would settle for that as a... Sort of the League Cup and we'd settle for that as as, as the trophy but any trophy would, would, would be good and the, when the Champions League kicks in the, the stresses on the players really increase
0: I think everyone expects the front three if fit and well and available will be the front three throughout the season mm. 29 goals Seller in his last 29 games reading yeah. your report that was a key stat that I picked up today mm he looked really happy because on the quiet, he had a bit of a tough summer, didn't he? Yeah,
1: With of course. Yeah. yeah, that's right. I mean, pretty much since that, that challenge by Ramos, that was, you know, ended his World Cup, really. I mean, he played, but he didn't look anywhere near the most seller we know. And um, I just think it was quite good. You know, he, he just signed that contract without... I mean, those two deals, Manay and Salah, just ended any kind of nonsense about... If those deals had not been signed, you can guarantee there would have been three or four weeks of speculation about these players moving on and that just killed it stone dead. And sometimes you you, you don't necessarily get credit for the stories you've averted as a football club. You know, Liverpool you know, being very proactive, controlling, if you like, the media without even trying to in inadvertently. So, you know, because of those two very early statements on the contract, not a single story appeared that I read suggesting I'd have said, you know, um, sorry, um, Roberto Firmino yeah. or um, um, Mo Salah. Um, we believe in. I mean, even Sadio. I think he, that's in the. That's probably only I think last that's the time. time anyway, then. yeah. Um, so um, yeah. So that was good. That was great business as well. And and you'd like to think it's because he he understands what Liverpool did for him as much as what he did for Liverpool. Uh, I don't think you can ever make any predictions about where we'll be this time next year. If he has another forty-goal season, but sometimes players just click in the right environment, and you know, I'm not sure that the players ever take too much notice about what's happened before. But there are players who've left Liverpool haven't been looking so perfect at Anfield, and it hasn't worked. And Torres probably springs to mind a little bit. There are others who've had the great success wherever they've gone, like Alonso and Suarez. So you never know what will happen down the line but I think maybe the experiences he's had at previous clubs notably Chelsea where they just didn't, for whatever reason click for Salah, maybe he just wants to keep on enjoying this for as long as he can he's going to be handsomely rewarded for it now um, and I think it would have been very strange if he'd end up at Real Madrid in the summer, given what they did to him yeah. on the biggest night of his career so um, I think they're probably going to have to do a little bit of repair work if they're ever <laughs> going to be really seriously Get him, um, but uh, hopefully he's going to be at Liverpool for a, for a long time yet.
0: An Anfield Plus podcast from the Liverpool Echo. An Anfield Plus podcast from the Liverpool Echo. At the other end of the field, I was, I was reading our own James, James Pierce's verdicts as well today, and I didn't realize Liverpool had not conceded a league goal at Anfield since February. I think it was the uh, the Tottenham game, the 2 2, he picked that stat out uh-huh. and. It kind of makes you think, like, oh, well, the is fine, but how important was it for you, do you think, Liverpool, to get Alisson Becker to get, yeah. you know, a top-class goal? Game? Well, they had
1: to. They had no, they had no choice. And, um, yeah, I mean, they're not a charity organisation, you know, whilst he can probably help us get over this, over it's going to be over a long-term period and whether or not his career will ultimately be revived at Liverpool or somewhere else, I suspect it'll be somewhere else. Um Yet to because you know he got a fantastic ovation when he came back um, for that pre season game. But I think it was at City he was helped a little bit by the but they bought a goalkeeper, yeah. so uh, there's no sense of trepidation uh, going into it. It was just creating a bad. I mean, you know, this is what happens, isn't it? I mean, you know, it, it was quite uncomfortable to watch the pre season games when he played. You know, and you've got these fans of lower league clubs taking the Mickey yeah. out of him. And you think, well, what would it be like at Crystal Palace next Monday night, you know? And it's all very well saying, well, you know, mental toughness is part of the game. Yeah, but some guys don't have that, you know, and it's a lot to expect on top of everything else to have that going on. I think he just had to be taken out for his own good. It wouldn't have done him any good, I don't think, to still be playing with all this around him. And I'd like to see him actually play a few under-23 games, to be honest just to sort of get used to playing football and doing well and making saves and just getting confidence and, you know, and rather than seeing that as a kind of, you know, demotion and demeaning, I think it would be far better for him longer term to just get used to playing some great football matches and because yeah. uh, he might well be needed again. You know, I can't, I don't think it's without the, without the question that he would play in the Carlton League Cup or, mm-hmm. or FA Cup if he was still here. So I think it's... um you know, but they, they, had, they had to. I mean, they, they probably had to pay an extra thirty quid, million quid, because of, everyone knew it, but we were going to get a sign a goalkeeper. It had to be done, and but they had the money, and and that was the area that needed most strengthening. So everyone was pleased when it happened. It actually, the day he signed, Alison I think almost the expectations of the season just went up another notch, yeah. it's like okay that's it, you look at the team now and you go well what, what is the weakness in this team, there isn't there isn't any extra weakness in the first team, the weakness is if he gets injured or he gets injured or he gets injured, so as an actual starting eleven, there's there's no obvious weakness in that side.
0: That probably leads on to my next question, I think we've covered the, the individual players who come in, Keita, Shaqiri, Becker and uh, Fabinho, we've not touched on too much but do you think at the end of the transfer window last Thursday, was there anywhere, anywhere in that squad where you thought, well, Leopold could have done with it, an extra body?
1: No, not at all. No, again, I, I think if you sort of say, oh well, he's going to get injured in November and he's going to be out for six weeks, well then, the situation changes. But you can't have too many players. You can, you can, because you know it's all very well to have somebody who you consider backup but if they're not playing for six weeks and then they get put in the side it's like well we can't just switch it on and off plus you've got the storage factor we don't know what he's yeah. going to be like i mean if he if and you know it's big if, if he if he does stay fit and keeps on playing his little cameo roles or you know i, I mean i i tell you if if in kiev when seller went off there was 100 percent fit daniel storage on the bench either gone on the pitch yeah and nobody would have been going, oh, God, Storage is coming. Everyone would have been, oh, it's okay, Storage will get you the goal because he's so good. And I liked some of his comments where he said, you know, um, you know, maybe being away from Liverpool made him realise, what do I want to be away from Liverpool for? Even if it is just as a, a support act, which it, it, it's inevitably going to be. He always gets, when he's fit and he's training well, he always gets picked because yeah. you can't not pick him because he's so good. And he's, he's you know, he's, he's on 10 seconds and he scores a goal so that's storage and um, you know if, if he if he keeps it keeps himself fit he will play games and he will score a goal
0: What did you make of the transfer window as a journalist you know did the earlier earlier deadline did it change the way it, you reported it July the 31st yeah, before I mean, the, the season I mean, season starts. I mean
1: I, I, I just because I can't stand <laughs> the way I mean I understand the you, 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 you had the clamour for new signings and it's right that you know people want Want to strengthen and feel, though, know, a bit of a refreshment going into a new season. But I just find a lot of stuff that goes around it just utterly I don't know, just ghastly, really. I, I, I don't, I, I, kind of feel as on because social media does this, and again, we always have the same conversation, whether that's the real world or not. I probably, uh, I think maybe more worried now that it has an influence than it than it than it should, but. People seem to celebrate sign and like they celebrate more than they celebrate wins. You get more positive <laughs> feedback for hinting that Liverpool are interested in a player than you do for doing a match report when they've won 4 0 at home. Yeah, I can't understand that because it's all about the experience of watching the match and enjoying the football, not about seeing some stupid Twitter post about Liverpool may be interested in some guy if this, 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 this. I mean, you know. So, um, and you know, you know that a lot of the people, players, people are getting so enthused about, they've not really watched them, they don't know how good they are. I kind of think that Liverpool, you know, when they, when they were making poor signings, you know, they, they were getting fairly strong criticism. And now they've had a run where they've earned a bit of trust, I think that they're making really good signings. And I think even if you rewind the year, there was a lot of, you know, frustration and impatience with Klopp when he kept on saying he's not going to sign a centre-back. For the sake of it, he's going to sign, you know, the one he wants. And yeah. I think he made the comment that there's not three centre-backs better than Dejan Lovren. And that it just seemed to cause this consternation and a quite aggressive, you know, how dare you even report that he said this, <laughs> kind of, without challenging him. And, you know, if Liverpool had gone and spent 40 million quid on somebody else other than Virgil van Dijk a year ago, well, where, where would they be? You know, um, clearly patience was the right... Um, policy as it's hopefully going to prove with Keita as well. I mean the you know they waited they they made a massive deal and couldn't have them for twelve months, which in in a different time and place that doesn't make a lot of sense at all. Um I think yeah, I think Liverpool's policy at the moment is very much get the right person rather than anybody, which I suppose every club would say that, but when you're under pressure to make signs and there's a clamour and you've got certainly when you've got £142 million after the Coutinho deal, you know, I think even after that, everyone thought, okay, Liverpool are going to sell Coutinho and they're going to buy somebody immediately. And again, that wasn't what happened. And, uh, the you, you know, the awards from that, I think. And, um, yeah, I think I think there's been a very sensible approach to, to transfers at Liverpool. And uh, you can
0: see that in the construction of the squad. Transfer window, the English one's closed anyway now, till January. We've talked about Liverpool there. How do you think the the rivals have come out with it? You know, have, have Liverpool strengthened the most? How do you think United, Chelsea, Tottenham, uh, City, obviously, and Arsenal looking? I think you've got
1: to bear in mind, Liverpool were sp- spending these play on like a Keita and Alisson and Van Dyke if you go back to catch up. They're playing catch-up to these clubs. These clubs have been doing it over a prolonged period, certainly Chelsea and, you know, Eden Hazard didn't come on a free transfer. No, you know? no. I mean, it's... You know, City. It's almost laughable that anybody suggests oh, Liverpool are now rivaling Manchester City in the transfer market. Well, for one season, but only because they sold Coutinho. Not going to be the same next year unless another massive player gets sold. In which case, they're having to weaken to try and strengthen. So it's not quite the same. Um, and as ever, you know, whenever you're trying to improve, you, you, you're trying to catch a move and target. So, you know, City signed Mares. They obviously have their own scouts, they must, for whatever reason, think he is the guy who's going to make a side that got 100 points, even better. You know, United making their usual, or their manager making the usual complaints, you know, conveniently forgetting that. Alexei Sanchez was, Alexei Sanchez was the massive deal last January. It's everyone forgotten about that? You know, it's almost like, that doesn't matter. It did sign Sanchez in the summer on a free transfer on a Bosman, which would have happened at Aston at stud firm. Probably would have been a very different world in terms of what United have done this summer. Um, so again, you know, they, they, United finished above Liverpool last year. You know, Spurs finished above Liverpool last. Year. The Spurs have got a fantastic first eleven, um, and it is surprising that they haven't added to sort of increase the competition or whatever. But but they still finished above Liverpool. So Liverpool have brought in players to try and you know, leapfrog these sides and and get closer to City, but. Uh, as Klopp pointed out himself this idea that Liverpool have suddenly gone above these teams because of these signings well that remains to be seen Uh, I think Liverpool should just be happy with what they've done and it's all about I think getting somewhere between 85 and 90 points normally that's enough to get you in a league title but in in an era where Man City are doing what they're doing you you can't make that presumption you've just got to to focus on yourself and if, if 90 points doesn't win you the league well
0: what it's just very you unlucky. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you know, you can't really do much better than that. You know, I don't think you could say, "Oh well, you know, you know, will, will we again Oh well, there you go. Klopp hasn't. Klopp's failed again. He hasn't delivered a trophy. The standards Liverpool are setting has to be compared to what Liverpool has been. You know, as I've said to you before, over the last twenty years, and and scoring more goals, the conceding fewer goals, the winning more games by greater margins. The they're making poor teams look poor and uh and, and that's that's a different world so to, to what we've been used to for a lot of the last twenty years. So yeah, I think I think a realistic target is I think eighty five points for Liverpool. I mean, it's extraordinary to say that is realistic, but I do think that is a realistic target. Whether that'll be enough to in the league, that will entirely depend on what Manchester City, Man United and
0: Spurs do. Sp- spoke about United there. He's had a few digs, hasn't he? Mourinho, Finley, Veils, and otherwise, is it almost Not too thinly? No, yeah, yeah. no, yeah, sorry, Not yeah. Only any he's Finley. Been... That. Yeah. Fair, fair points, you know. Do you yeah. think it's almost like a flattery to Liverpool that he knows they're coming, or do you think it's just typical? Jose? I think it's just his ego is such a...
1: he can't what he well, cut to the chase, what he cannot stand is that Klopp gets fantastic press, yeah, and he doesn't. But there's a reason for that. First of all, it's the style of football. You just can't get away from that. You know, Man United, I was at the game on Friday night, they got 1-0 up, they came out, great atmosphere, the start, first, everyone's up for it. Pope has got the captaincy, strutting around, looking fantastic. to get themselves ahead. And then they just say to Leicester, OK, you can have the ball now, we'll play the counter-attack. And if you're a Man United fan, I don't care, you know, you can dress it up any way you want. That is not what Man United has been. the last how many since you know Ferguson era and that's why he gets he's he's not like beyond people who are you know clearly in his corner Um, and apart from that of course does the the public persona you know I've dealt with Mourinho in terms, of not that on on personally, it's all. But I mean, in mm. terms of his press conferences, you know, and me when he was at Inter Milan, it's always great value because mm. you you know as a journalist, it's great because you go to his. I'd rather give me Jose Mourinho over Manuel Pellegrini or yeah. Claude Puel, you know, yeah. because they're so boring. I mean, these, these fellas, I mean, you just you know when you when you're on, when you're doing your job and you're under pressure to get eight hundred words to write, you don't <laughs> want to be going to a Manuel Pellegrini press conference. No. You, someone <laughs> to send you to a Jose Mourinho press conference, great. Um. But you know, from a supporter's point of view, you, you know, you you can see why he's starting to sound like a broken record. Um and so that, that's why he does it. and you know he has he's got a bit of beard, bonnet, of all the puts goes back to his Chelsea days, he just he just doesn't doesn't like it. He had a go a few years ago, didn't he, when he went to Manfield and got a draw and we've beaten the eight hundred of the world. He never can resist. And he plays well too with the gallery he's got at the moment, but um I don't think Clock cares. Um, I, I do think that a lot of people. I think City have got a bit of a problem with Liverpool as well for similar reason. I think they are so desperate to have this global kind of acclaim for what they're doing, um, but it's only ever going to go so far with City because Liverpool. What they see with Liverpool is you know liverpool have a hint of success and cnn are getting to, coming into town to do a focus on their yeah, players yeah. city aren't getting that and there's a reason for that and it's just that they can't get, compete with the global support and it, you know it's based purely on the numbers you know when liverpool have a bit of success as we saw in the champions league it becomes a global phenomenon city can't have that you know when they win the league it's a bit of a maybe one day or two day news story if liverpool ever win the league it'll be it'll be right in Theater plays about it and books and the documentary will come out and you know it's it's embedded in the culture of the city in a way Manchester City winning the league is not Uh, and you you just can't you can't get away from that and I think Man City's PR I think that really irritates them but that's just the way it is you know and it's not about you know Liverpool PR you know, manufacturing this or, or, or choreographing this, even though the PR at the moment is very, very good. I think that's just a natural consequence of, of a combination of a very charismatic manager, a team that plays fantastic football and a global fan base, which really does know how to celebrate victories when they come and um you know, if if people are irritated them all by the positivity around Liverpool,
0: God help them when Liverpool do actually win the trophy <laughs> because it's just going to go through a different level. You talk about the the global fan base and the appeal, we've seen it again this summer with the Tour of America and then going over to Dublin, but off the field Liverpool are getting more praise what they're doing locally as well, I And mean, then mm. there's still issues with the tickets and the memberships and all the, and, the, and the other things that we've covered a lot but they seem to be getting some of that local fan culture back on the side well I think you should
1: say both clubs both Liverpool and Everton yeah. are doing this very very well at the moment and yeah they've been appointing people who I have decided that they've not always kind of made the kind of appointments of people who are who who understand the local culture the fan base culture as well as people who recent recently appointed you know I don't think they need to name them but I mean both both clubs have got them yeah CEOs and, yeah well the CEO of Everton you know and obviously my former Liverpool Echo employee at Liverpool. Yeah. Um, so, you know that is that is Im- important, and yeah, I think these they will always these football clubs will always be there'll always be demand the for them to do. They can always do more. I also think that ultimately what happens on the pitch feeds feeds it as well. You know, I think that everybody seems to be a lot happy with a lot of things, or they, they certainly, um certainly are, are less sort of prone to to to, to, to say what. Well, microscopic detail that the problems when everything seems to be going well obviously last year at Everton things weren't going so well so maybe people were getting a bit more stick but it's like if Marco Silva does well it'll be the same there you know there'll be a lot of praise for you know rightly so for the uh, the off field stuff they do Um but ultimately they are football clubs and um, it's what happens on the pitch I think that'll dictate
0: the mood before we wrap up, let's get back to on the field, Crystal Palace next Monday. Obviously, Roy Hodgson uh, was part of an inglorious uh, certainly a chapter in Liverpool's history, but he's done okay at, at Palace, hasn't he? And you know they've mm-hmm. gone to they've gone to Fulham on Saturday and won. Is that going to be a, a t- typical be, tricky a bit, tricky game? I think it'll be a difficult game. You know, I
1: think I think fairness to Hodgson, that's his level. You know, you, it's only when he moved up the level, first with Liverpool and then with England, that people could see. He's really an underdog manager, I think you know. I think he that's really suited. Um, and um, I, I don't think there's any reason why you can expect any other really tough game. We'll put, especially on a you know an evening game at Sellers Park. They'll have a go. I think Allison will. But we'll see what English football is about, and when we'll get to to see how how strong he is mentally as well as you know his goalkeeping skills. But the way Liverpool play, I'd be very surprised if they don't they don't. Discover, you know, three or four goals. Just, yeah. The, yeah, the, Chelsea, the Palace have got some dangerous players. Aha, I think, is a player who probably could play in a top four cl- club. But um, he is very, very dangerous. But um, yeah, I'd be surprised if the people don't just continue this good start. And I think they've got to get off to a good start. I think, you know, look at the first 10 games. I know it's it's setting a high bar but I think you know they've got to be looking to win eight out of 10 first yeah. games if they realistically wanna stay with City because uh, you know, you wanna be in a good position by the time those big games come along against like, the City, Chelsea, Arsenal and United. So um just can't look I just look forward to seeing Liverpool playing now though, you know, in the morning of a match when Liverpool are playing, you kinda of feel you're gonna see a good good game of football. And that has not always been the case. Chris, thanks very much for joining me. No minutes.
0: problem. You've been listening to an Anfield Plus podcast on the LFC Echo app.